Summer camp is a magic place where kids discover who they are because they have the freedom to explore on their own. Y Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is a sleepaway camp in the heart of Idaho's wilderness. Each summer, campers make friends, build new skills, and learn to love the outdoors through activities like canoeing, archery, zip lining, rock climbing, campfires, and more. Registration for Y Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is open. Financial assistance is available. Learn more at ycampidaho.org. You have to get to that level where this is an instinctual thing that you know who you are and why you're here. And if you know who you are and why you're here, when it becomes push comes to shove and it is the last 30 seconds of that workout, or even better, the middle round of that 10 round workout where you start questioning yourself, it's not there anymore. The questions go away because you believe in what you're doing. You know why you're there. And it becomes this instinctual automatic thing that all the other questions go away. My goal is to get my athletes in this 30 days to that level. What confidence is has nothing to do with winning or the leaderboard. What confidence is, is knowing that you giving your best efforts is enough. Okay, Ben, we've not done this in a while and people yelled at us on Instagram. Um, I missed you, man. I know. Uh, obviously, very busy time. So that's what I kind of thought we would talk about. Uh, time before and around the games is always uh, very important for you to make sure you're focusing on uh, the right things. And mm-hmm. the right things at this time of year is the CrossFit Games and specifically your athletes. So... First thing first is just like talk to us about what this month looks like or maybe or maybe like the what whatever it was 6 weeks maybe between regionals ending and mm-hmm. and the games coming up like how do you even start to think about maximizing those very short days so that when you know everybody's lining up day 1 on Madison you're like okay we did everything or we did what we needed to do yeah um, exactly right. This is a very crucial time in the development of, of the athletes <clears throat> to make sure that they can perform come end of July, or early August this year yeah. at the games. Um, so backing up at the end of the regional season, all the athletes take a recovery time of about a week. And I took the same thing with, and I went to Iceland with my family. I went there with Katrin as well, but knowing what was coming up, um, I wanted that time and that special time with my family knowing that we were going to not say I was going to go totally imbalanced, but I was going to put a lot more of my own resources into um, working with the athletes. Um, So after getting back from Iceland, there was another two-week period or so where we went back to a basically normal-ish type training, where it was me working with them for an hour or two every day, them doing their multiple training sessions in CrossFit New England, me working with them from afar with Brooke, Katrin, I'm sorry, Brooke, Cole, and Matt. Um, and then July 1st hits, and now we're essentially five weeks out from the start of the CrossFit Games, and we flip the switch. And we go basically go off the grid, and we go into full training mode. I don't think you can do that year long. I don't think it's appropriate. I know I can't do that with my other responsibilities and the roles I play. You You know, I have a family and, you know, I, you know, I have a business, so it's, it's something I can't do forever, but for a month, it's, it's really pretty sweet. And you kind of move mountains in order to do that. Yeah. So to the point where I, I only work one day a week now, 
which is this day today. Yeah. I only work on Mondays. And I spend Tuesdays through Sunday nights um, basically in lockdown on, it sounds horrible, but it's amazing, <laughs> on Cape Cod. Yeah. Zero distractions, 100% eat, sleep, train, recover, rinse, wash, repeat. And it is, you know, I believe it's it's the optimal amount of time. You know, when Lance Armstrong was preparing for um, Tour de France's, and yes, I understand that he was skip over that skip part. over all that. <laughs> he still maximized his fitness against to do that. He trained year round, but leading up to the Tour de France, he did a six week training camp, mm-hmm. and that's really where the peak happens. Professional athletes leading up to their preseason, it's a six week intensive. That's what we want. It's the same thing: six weeks to find your peak. I don't want my athletes peaking for the open. I don't want them peaking even for regionals. And I know that sounds weird, but these athletes, they're going to get there. Yeah. Thank God they did. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's time to literally like sharpen the ax to the point where it can like slice a hair when it's dropped on top of it. Yeah. So is the goal to get them fitter in the six weeks or the five weeks? Or is it uh, like technique refinement? Is like where, how do you, like, how do you go into those four weeks you know, like what is, what is the goal? Yep. How so you, it's, how do you measure that? Yeah, it's great. Um, so whether it's technique or fitter, it's, it's to improve their overall, it's improve their work capacity across the board. So some of the athletes are going to prove that by improving their VO2 max and their lactic threshold and their lungs capacity to move oxygen through their body. Right. Yeah. Other athletes are going to do it by getting the bar to hit higher up on their hips when they do a snatch. Yep. It's just like, it's different for each person and each movement and each domain. So there's not one thing that we're saying, this is what we're doing. Having said that, if I have to pull out, I don't even want to say that. We spend, you know, if we're swimming, some people it's about building up stamina and endurance in the water. Other people it's a hundred percent technique has nothing to do with the stamina. So it really is individualized mm-hmm. depending on the athlete and the task at hand. So... You're on the Cape, and I don't know if you said this, but if you didn't, you you are in a house with mm-hmm. Katrin, Brooke, and Cole. Literally, mm-hmm. you guys are all living under the same roof, Yep. right? So what is the value that you found in having everybody in the same place at the same time training uh, f- for the games? I think the biggest advantage, first off, the biggest advantage is that I can I can speak to them. Yep. As opposed to them being in, you know, Missouri, you know, Washington and, uh, you know, Katrin's always here. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, the advantage is that I get when I, when I speak to them and I'm saying to, something to one person, if I'm giving someone some swim technique reviews, they all hear the other stuff and it resonates. Whether it's, yeah. it helps. If I'm talking to them about um, the mindset stuff, whether I'm speaking to some person, it might resonate with somebody yeah. else. So you kind of get this um, overlapping. It's like an echo effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What you say to one person echoes to everybody else. So that's a that's a huge advantage. It also makes like you know time is a limited resource. I have to say it three different times. It, it just it's not as efficient or potentially as effective. Yep. The other side that I think is a huge advantage is you accept your surroundings as normal, right? It's like when you're growing up, if you celebrate Hanukkah, not Christmas, you think everybody celebrates Hanukkah and what's Christmas? And if you grow up and 
you know, if you grow up in an abusive household, you kind of accept that as normal. If you grow up in a, whatever it is, if you grow up with a double working family, parents both work, you accept that as normal. In this case, the excellence that these guys are living with is completely normal. You know, the getting up and going through a morning routine where they're reading about mindset and establishing um, their own true norths and core values and what are their hardcore beliefs, which are not easy questions to answer, they're doing that on a regular basis every morning. Mm -hmm. We go and we swim in the open ocean, you know, every morning essentially. That's not something that's enjoyable for most people, but because they're with other people doing it, it seems a lot more normal. They come back and make incredibly clean breakfasts and they have time for them to reflect. It seems totally normal. And then we go to the gym and we do a hour of just foam rolling. It seems totally normal. Then they do a warm-up assessment where we're checking, you know, I don't want to get yep. into the, yeah. but everything is like all this like incredibly detailed stuff that when you're in your own environment and you're living with your wife or your boyfriend and you have all your friends and your social life and all these other distractions, it, it seems a lot harder to dig into that excellence. Here, it's just like, it's the expectation. right? And if everyone's doing it, what everyone's doing, it's like a rising tide lifts all ships. It's like, oh, everyone's, everyone's doing their mindfulness stuff. I'm going to do my 10 minutes of mindfulness stuff now. It's like, because it's the expectation, it's the norm, it's it, to, to rise above that is even more exceptional. Yeah. So even these athletes who are, by all means, the top of their game, you know, Cole and Brooke and Catherine's here a lot, but like you're saying that there's even, that there's room even for them to refine literally everything. Well, there's, it just takes away the other distractions, right? So um, Brooke is a college student. Yep. I find it astounding how she's able to balance that with being a, you know, the sixth fittest woman in the world. Yeah. You know, the distractions of college and the social pressures that you get of like, come and party and let's go hang out and let's go to the mall and let's go whatever. I don't know what they do now, yeah, but whatever they do. go to the mall. Go to the mall, right? <laughs> I think I they, they Snapchat and stuff. Whatever it is that they do. <laughs> All that's gone. Yeah. You know, Cole has a, a family, you know, a, a wife and in-laws and everything else. And he's doing home improvements and putting a patio in, like gone. Yeah. Like Okay, we're live we are rocky in Russia. Like you're you're here and there's one task at hand and it's to improve your mind and your physiology and be prepared for the CrossFit games. Mm. So, yes, they live that every single day, but there's distractions and there's other stuff. You know, I think Katrin does it, you know, and Matt actually does it, you know, I, when Matt does it phenomenally as well. And that's why he likes to stay in his cuz Matt yeah. essentially He's in Vermont. He Matt lives rocky in Russia. Yeah. He goes to the gym. Yep. He comes back. He eats. He goes to the track. He comes back and eat. He goes to the gym again. He comes back and he sleeps. And it should be said, that's a big reason why he's not on the Cape with you. And he's, just, he's doing, he, he found something that worked for him. It it works for him. Yeah. We, uh, we've tried it with him, with us. It doesn't work as well. So why try to fit a round peg in a square hole, yeah. if that's the saying? Yep. We know what works for him. We're going to stick with that. Mm-hmm. It, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. Yeah. So it's interesting. You, I think you said earlier that this isn't something that you'd want to extend beyond six weeks, five weeks, four weeks, whatever. So you're saying that like in an ideal world, 
this wouldn't look like this wouldn't be normal. This is always like a special time before, yeah. you know, game. Day. One of the reasons Cole is as special a person as he is because of his wife and because he lives in his family and because he has this amazing house that he feels attached to. And because of all that, yep. that's we want some level of call it what you want balance or come some level of distraction, some level of escape. Mm-hmm. Brooke is very close to her mom. She has a twin sister, like all those things. Like, it's important that she has those other things. We can do this and do it really, lack of a better term, like intense or hardcore, yeah. or like immersive, but we don't want to do it 365. Yeah. You know, we can do it for 20 or 30. We can maybe do it for 45, but not 365. That's just, yeah. it's unrealistic expectation. The, they're human beings, they're not robots. Right. They're not even. They're not even racehorses, right? So we need to make sure that they live the lives of human beings as well. Mm-hmm. Um, once one, the only really variable in there is the difference between um, what Catherine's experience with you, mm-hmm. given that she lives here and she works out at your gym, mm-hmm. and what Brooke and Cole get because they only see you three weeks a year, yep. four weeks, whatever it is. Is the is is an, uh, the sort of the next version of what you're doing here? just looking sort of forward for the development of the sport where it sort of always is demanding their athletes to get just a little bit better and a little bit better. Does the, does the next iteration of this look like whether it's you or another coach and a bunch of athletes, like a group of athletes living and training at the same place all year round, even with all of those yeah. things, with all those, those mm-hmm. balance points, but still being in the same place at the same time. I don't think so. No, I think when you have, um, these guys are so competitive. And while we feel like a team and we act like a team, we are trying to build everybody. They're still training with a competitor. Yep. And I think that they would beat themselves to death. Interesting. I, I think that they would, I don't think they would allow themselves the time to train and to practice. I think there'd be too much competition. Yeah. But you don't think that that's the case with, I mean. I think that there's. it's good for a short yeah. segments and short periods. Yeah. And I think that we're, we're pushing up against the boundaries of it right now. Interesting. I would not want to extend it any farther than this. Mm-hmm. Now, could it be more frequent in shorter iterations? Yes, and I hope it is. Yeah. I would love to get more touch points. I would love to get more contact. I would love to get more of this, but not um, this exact thing extended. Mm-hmm. I would just want to take it and break it up more. Gotcha. So, you know, if, if this is 100%, just give me. 10% here and 10% yeah. there and 10% yeah. there and 10% there. Yep. One of the, 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 the things, a question I thought you were going to ask is, you know, Katrin lit, does kind of live this with no distractions yeah. all the time. Yeah. So not much has changed for her except that these other athletes are there. Yep. And, and because of that, it's, it does up the ante a little bit, right? Like it's hard it's hard even for someone like Katrin to not like Katrin who never looked at the leaderboard once during the open in true fact, doesn't know where she finished in any workout or overall. Same thing with Cole, by the way. Um, I'm pretty sure about Brooke. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard for even someone that's that disciplined not to project forward of here's where I'm finishing. Here's where Brooke's finishing in this particular training workout. What does that mean for the games? Mm-hmm. That's the last thing you want to do in training, right? It's really about, that's the opposite of the process. The process is, it's about the here and now and the immediacy of what can I do to maximize this next five seconds with non-judgment and no projections forward or based off the past. If you do that, you're taking away. 
it's really hard to do that all the time with somebody that is fighting for the podium with you. Yeah. In this little bits, pieces, totally cool. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't want to do that, you know, 365. I think it becomes hard. Right. So, yeah. So do you think that that doesn't matter who the athlete is, but if another games athlete, say a female, was like, I want to come live and train at CFNE every day like Katrin, is that, that would be detrimental, you think, to Katrin? Um, I think it would depend on the athlete. I guess so. Yeah. If it was Sarah Sigmund's daughter or Tia, yes. Yeah. And I think it'd be detrimental to them as well. Agreed. Yeah. Um, um, you know, if it was somebody that, you know, um, you know, having said that, Brooke and Katrin are best friends. Right. I was gonna, they get along <laughs> phenomenally, yeah. right? Like phenomenally. They're like sisters. Yep. Um, and I don't want this message of this show to be that they don't, having them right. together that doesn't train well. Yeah. It's a reason we want them together. This is a good thing. Yep. I just don't want to say that, like, I don't know if it would be a good thing to do this all the time. Interesting. Okay. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a different level athlete that would make the difference or not. Um, but I think this works well the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> just not all the time. Right. Okay. So, uh, going back a little bit, how do you going into going into these four or five weeks of, of, you know, games training, do you have like an overarching message that you want these guys to walk away from? Like outside of like the, mm-hmm. the individual techniques or, or the, the time, the hundreds of, of different tweaks you're going to make. Do you go in with like, here's what I want you thinking about for the next four or five weeks? Or is that individual or is that like yeah. kind of impossible to do? No, that's uh that's exactly what I try to do. I project, I say, what do I want my athletes to look like physically, literally, like how lean do I want them to be? What do I want their physical capabilities and abilities to be in different areas like rope climbs or your snatch or your 800 meter run? And how do I want them to be thinking mentally? Mm-hmm. And I work backwards from that and say, okay, how do I get them to that? So we do all sorts of, obviously the easy one there is like the training type stuff. Okay, I want you to be able to do 10 legless rope climbs in three and a half minutes. Okay, how do we get to that? Then I want, you know, that's the easy part. You back back into what you want them to look like. Then it's also like from a nutrition standpoint, what I want you to look like, let's back into that. But the one that I get the most excited about and I think is the most transformative is the mental side of it. Mm-hmm. How do I want these guys thinking about themselves, thinking about the sport of CrossFit, thinking about the opportunity to compete there, thinking about the week, thinking about what they're going to see throughout the week. And I spend a majority of the time working on that. We do, um, you know, I, I, I try to lay out that message to them this is the vision. Here's what we're going to be like. Here's how we're going to be prepared. And I use every a whole bunch of different tools. Um, you know, whether it's um, having them watch a, a video that you help create, <laughs> right? Whether it's uh, watching a video that pre- presents a certain message, whether it's using little tricks or tips that I've, you know, like gimmicky stuff that I picked up from other coaches in other sports, um, you know, like little like physical reminders of this is what this looks like. Or it's a worksheet. Let's work through this mental exercise. Literally, like here's six questions. Answer these six questions. 
or it's, you know, go spend an hour with yourself to try and figure out, answer this question for yourself, or it's, you know, we're going to, we're, we spend a lot of time. I actually have a, a binder and every day I give them a new thing to read and to focus on. Mm -hmm. And it might be something about training or nutrition. It might be something about um, your definition of success or how to create your own core values or what's your true north. And the reason for that is a lot of it is just figuring out who these guys are. Mm -hmm. And my, my belief is that if you know who you are and what your, why you're doing this, I believe if you have ultimate belief in something, it changes the ballgame. Mm-hmm. And you can't believe something without digging into it a little bit. So I want these guys to dig. And the example I gave, I give them, and I gave them early when we first started was, you know, I know I love my kids. Mm-hmm. And I would, without a second of hesitation, and every parent would do this, without a second of hesitation, I would jump in front of a moving train, bus, whatever it is, to push them out of the way in a heartbeat. I would give up my life to save them. In a, I wouldn't even think about it. It would be instinctual. It wouldn't be a thought process. It would be subcon- it was on a subconscious level. There'd be no thought because it's so ingrained in who I am. But, and this may be not sound great, but if there was a stranger... Um, that was essentially dead on the sidewalk and I was tasked with giving a mouth to mouth, it would not be a jump to a thing. Mm-hmm. There would be other thoughts that would go through my head mm-hmm. and I would have to process that. I would have to think like- It's not automatic. It's not automatic, yeah. it, right? It's not automatic. It's a thought thing. And I would probably end up doing the right thing. Right. I hope I would, <laughs> right. but it's not gonna be this automatic. It's not an instinctual thing. Yeah. You have to get to that level where this is an instinctual thing that you know- who you are and why you're here. And if you know who you are and why you're here, when it becomes push comes to shove and it is the last 30 seconds of that workout, or even better, the middle round of that 10 round workout where you start questioning yourself, it's not there anymore. The questions go away because you believe in what you're doing. You know why you're there. And it becomes this instinctual automatic thing that all the other questions go away. My goal is to get my athletes in this 30 days to that level. Now, it doesn't happen in 30 days. That's why you can't, we have to talk about this stuff all the time. But this is the immersive camp. This is boot camp. This is buds. This is hell week. This is, you know, maybe some corporate training have, you know, maybe Google has this where they bring people in and they reprogram people Mm -hmm. to think this way. But that is the goal of this camp is can I re, maybe not reprogram, because that's right, these guys are on track. Can I deepen the programming to the point where it's just an automatic thing? Mm-hmm. If we can do that along with getting to climb ropes, right. <laughs> then we're in good shape. Yeah. So when you get to the games then, having had this experience and having put in the work, sort of all of that work that you just talked about, do you then just let it happen? Or are you even even at the games, are you finding ways to reinforce? Yeah that message or that, you know, whatever it is, no, we, or do you like, okay, we did the work and if it's stuck, it's stuck. And the, now the games are about just like, let's maximize each event. Um, really cool question. Um, I think our sport's unique in the fact that um, as coaches, I really can't think of many, uh, tennis might be a little bit like it, but 
once the sport starts, once a game starts, we don't coach. Yeah. We're not even on the sidelines. We're I literally go up like if I go to watch it at all, I'm usually in the athlete village. I don't get to watch the events at all. Yeah. If I do get to watch it, I'm in I'm the in the last row. Like <laughs> yeah. I have the worst seats in the house. Yeah. I can't coach at all. It's a really unique part of what we have as coaches yeah. in our sport. So part of it, I have to rely on, I hope what I built is right. Because I can't call timeout, come to the sidelines and be like, yeah. remember we talked about this. Yeah, there's no audibles in CrossFit. Exactly. Yeah. There's no halftime adjustments. There's no nothing. Now, having said that, we have another unique advantage where we essentially have, we don't have one halftime where we can make adjustments. We have 13 to 15 halftimes. Yeah. Yep. So we constantly get to make adjustments. So it's not pros and cons. It's just we're in a different mm-hmm. environment and you recognize that and you have to figure out where those adjustments come and how to take advantage of them. So part of it is I have to rely on what we built. Hopefully it's ingrained in them and they know how to do it on the floor. But the other side of that is in the in-betweens, I'm for sure doing reminders and I have again my own tricks and yep. you know all these kind of like little things I pull on to get them back into the right mindset and remind them of how it is. You know, it's not necessarily having to do you know, mindfulness workshops and answer questions, but there are things I do during the games to make sure that it's, we stay on track, that this is the approach we want to be taking. Yep. And if anything goes off the rails, you can pull it back, yep. you know, b- between events. Or One of those, e- the easy things that we do there is we basically have an ethos and a mantra, you yep. know, if you just kind of like always go back to, to that. It's, you know, for people that are doing this in their own lives that don't have a coach and they're training, they're trying to be the best version of themselves everyone's experienced that time where the workout gets really hard and you start to question yourself, your mission, your abilities and everything else. And nobody is immune to that. And if you are, you haven't pushed yourself hard enough, period. Like everyone goes through that level of self-doubt and self-questioning. If you have some sort of mantra that pulls you back to your why, it's one of the easiest ways to battle through it. If you get, if you don't have that, you can sit in the suffering for longer than is necessary. Now, suffering's good. Suffering is what makes change. Mm-hmm. Suffering is a powerful thing. But there's this little kind of differentiation between suffering and struggle. Mm-hmm. It's really the struggle that's good. The struggle is what makes change. Suffering to me is prolonged. Yep unnecessary struggle. And if you have a mantra, you can stay in the struggle, which is what's causing adaptation, causing change, but you don't have to suffer. And it's just a simple mantra. It doesn't have to be anything. It could be like, you know, um, want to make my kids proud. Mm-hmm. I want to have a six pack. You know, uh, it could be, you know, my best. It could be looking good, feeling good, ought to be in Hollywood. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter how gimmicky or stupid it is. If there's something that is meaningful to you that you can tie back to, when it gets hard, it's nice to have that thing, that crutch to lean upon. Take it. All right, let's leave it at that. Cool. Thanks, Thank Pat. you.